All right, live, 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 live. We are live once again. Got the camcorder, got the live stream on the laptop, got the mini recorder. Coming live once again today is, what is it, February 6th, Tuesday. We are coming live from Oshawa, not Ottawa, Oshawa. Oshawa, uh, Durham region, southern Ontario, Canada, the nation of Canada and... Uh, that's the continent of North America. Good stuff. And uh, hopefully you'll have your Bibles with you because actually we're actually doing a teaching, short teaching on reading the Holy Bible. Wow. Reading. Reading. Studying whatever. Reading the Holy Bible. All right. And um, I wrote here, are we reading the entire Holy Bible right, correctly, or wrong, incorrectly? And you believe it or not, there's a lot of Christians out there that have been saved for years and they still don't know how to read this book. They don't know how to get in there. They don't know how to they don't know what to do with it. Alright, let's just be honest. They don't know what to do with the Bible, the Holy Bible. And they got the Holy Spirit, the author, living on the inside of them. Oh gosh. Alright. So I wrote here. The entire Holy Bible, the whole Bible, all right, the whole thing from Genesis to Revelation is full of good news, all right? It's just full of good news, but as well as uh, bad news. Yeah, there's bad news in there. There's really bad news in there, but there's some really good news in there, all right? Uh, for sinners and saints alike, yeah, there's bad news for sinners, for saints. And there's good news for sinners. The sinner can get saved and the saint... Uh, if you don't uh, walk straight with the Lord, um, you're going to lose rewards and you can walk away from your salvation. Since the entire Holy Bible is full of all kinds of warnings for sinners and saints alike. We're not going to look into the warnings today. I've already done teachings on that. I wrote here, most Christians read the Bible wrong or inaccurately and don't even know it based upon their denominational uh-oh backgrounds favorite theological camps, etc. All of this having to do with different interpretations of Scripture. We're going to look at that. Uh, we're going to do a live stream on that a little bit later on. Uh, probably at about a couple months from now. Dating back to hundreds of years regarding different movements in the past, having influenced Bible schools, Bible colleges. You know, we've got all kinds of movements in the past. I'm getting off my screen here. I better watch it. Uh, movements, uh, you know, the, the Puritans, Methodists, Wesleyan movements, whatever you want to call it, Salvation Army. Uh, we got, you know, all kinds of movements, uh, even Reformations, all kinds of Reformations. And uh, out of that came out of all kinds of new interpretations of scriptures, uh, training centers, Bible schools, all, books, literature. All stuff like that. I mean, there's no lack of literature in the church. I know I should know. I've got enough books in my my library, and I basically uh, I can buy a few more thousand really good books, and I am eventually. But it's caused a lot of problems. All right. So basically, it all started around Catholicism, Protestantism. Basically, I mean, I'm leaving a lot of stuff out here, right? and all the different theological flavors to the point where it seems like every local church setting has its own favorite theology, a way of reading and interpreting the Word of God, yet the Word says there is only one faith, one church, one baptism, one Lord, one Father. There's only one. Alright? And I'm not saying that there's 
you can't interpret. I'm not saying that there's different. There's not different ways to read certain verses because the, the Holy Spirit can show you show you one thing about a verse and show me something different, not opposite, but a little bit different from the way He showed you that same verse. All right, but it won't be. It won't contradict. All right, if there's a contradiction, one of us is wrong. All right, and most likely you're the one who's wrong because I spend too much time in prayer. Anyhow. Even in attending some Bible school for a few years, some hold on to what they have learned. They do, that's what they hold on to. Uh, yet some deviate from what they learned after reading certain books or being influenced by certain preachers. Some have a mixture of theology. They're all over the map, they say, as, as we say here in Canada, anyhow. He's all over the He's all over the place. I mean, one day he believes in divine healing, the other day he doesn't believe in divine healing. <laughs> it's ridiculous, some of these people. A uh, mixture of theology of how they read and interpret the Bible, having different influences working in their soul. And really, that's the big problem. That is the big problem, is how the soul works. Not how the soul works, because that's the way God made the soul. But it's where you're putting, what you're ingesting, what you're planting, what you're sowing into your soul, your garden. The Holy Spirit was given to each one of us for many different reasons, yet one of the main reasons or purposes was to get us the whole body of Christ unto the same page and keep us on the same page, on the same track, on the same path when it comes to what we believe or don't believe. In other words, most of the things I've just mentioned which just scratched the surface could have been avoided with uh, which will demand an account accountability from each one of us starting with leaders regarding denominations, regarding movements, different things like that. Even out of a movement the, some people deviate after a couple of years, after 10 years, 15 years. They deviate, right? So, and uh, for different reasons. Sometimes it's for the right reasons, sometimes for the wrong reasons. So this is a real problem. I think this is a real problem. Well, I don't, I'm not the only one who thinks it. God thinks it's, it, it is a real problem. Alright? It doesn't bring unity. This is the problem. It does not bring unity in the body of Christ. Alright. So I wrote here, we need to realize once for all that overall the Bible needs to be separated into three sections and not two sections. Most versions, translations have Old Testament, New Testament, right? All, most translate, 99.9% .9 of Bibles have Old Testament right before Genesis and New Testament right before Matthew, right? Yet in reality, the whole Holy Bible should be separated into three sections. The original creation, fallen creation, New creation. And this last section of the Holy Bible, New Creation, starts off with the Incarnation, the birth of the second Adam, which introduces the new nature, because he's the first to be born with the new nature, right? With the divine nature, apart from the sin and death nature, first born from the dead. And then introduces the new birth. You can't have the new birth without the Incarnation, because the Incarnation, Jesus, is the first to be born with this nature that we need to be born again with. Wow! All of this having to do with the church age dispensation of grace. It's huge. It's just huge. Alright? So let me get this uh, over here. Get rid of that. Alright, let's go on. I'm almost done. Uh, when you are reading the whole Bible, you need to find the parallels. I mean, okay, you know, I do, I do mention Old Testament, New Testament, just to make things easier. Alright? So when you do read Old Testament, New Testament, all right, I spend most of my time in the in the New Testament. All right, most of my I tell you, ninety percent of my time in the New Testament. 
But when you're reading the whole Bible, you need to find the parallels. There are parallels that are found in both the Old and the New. All right? Uh, such as the theme of faith. You can't get away from faith. I mean, right from the beginning, right through the whole to the New Testament, it's all about faith. There's not a lot of mention of the word faith in the Old Testament, but if you read Hebrews 11, it's all about Old Testament saints and what they did by faith, what God was able to do through their faith. As well as healing, meditating the Word, these are all found in the Old Testament. How God dealt with Old Testament saints is very different, very different from the way He deals with New Testament saints. And the same could be said regarding how God dealt with Old Testament atheists, heathens, and New Testament atheists, heathens, heathens and pagans. Alright? Totally different. Totally different. I mean, the sinner today, the sinner should be so, so, so grateful towards God, which they're not because they don't believe in God. They should be so grateful that God doesn't deal with them the way He did in the Old Testament. Because most of them would be dead by now. Alright? Yeah. That's what he did, right? With the Philistines, all of them, right? Canaanites, all the whole thing, right? Not good. So, when you are reading the whole Bible... Okay, I wrote that. So many topics in the Old Testament do not apply to the New Testament saying. That's what basically I'm saying. And it's true. Alright? And we need to know what those things are so that we can avoid any confusion or frustrations with our walk with God. This would cause me all kinds of problems years ago, but... God, I tell you, he really, you know, I tell you, he helped me out a lot. Especially with Dave Roberson and Gary. Uh, sonship is the main theme in the New Testament, which is nowhere to be found in the Old Testament or the fallen creation. There is no sons. There are no sons of God in the Old Testament. Alright, there is none. Don't go looking for them. David, Noah, Abraham, none of them were referred to as the sons of God. None. Alright? They were Old Testament saints, they were servants of God, but none of them were sons because the, the God's uh, firstborn from the dead uh, was not born yet. Alright? So the minute you come in union with Jesus as the second Adam, that's, when you, that's where you get your sonship. Because you get His nature. Alright? Through the new birth called regeneration, Titus 3.5. Alright, I'm covering a lot of stuff. Another point, which is my last point at this time, for us to properly understand the whole Bible accurately is to be found in these two verses. Okay, there's more verses, but anyhow, just to make things short here, I'm already 10 minutes. Acts 10, uh, Acts 20, 27, it says, Paul says, For I never shrank or kept back or fell short from declaring to you the whole purpose, the whole plan, the whole counsel of God. All right? And one of the things that I tell you, I've over the years from all the preachers I've heard preaching, and I've not, I've not heard all of them, but I've heard lots of them, teaching, preaching, whatever, the only two guys that really, really did justice to this, the whole counsel of God, was Dave Roberson, who's not with us anymore, and Gary Carpenter. I mean, they would just, they, they'd teach on finances, and they would teach on everything else around it, because that's the way you're supposed to teach the Word, and that's the way I teach it, all right? And uh, 2 Timothy 2.15, this is very, very important as well. Study and be eager and do your utmost, utmost to present yourself to God, not to man, but to God approved, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing, accurately dividing, rightly handling, and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Alright? And this is, I found this, I find this still after all these years, 
I find this greatly, greatly lacking in the church among some of the better teachers. Some of the better, yeah, more teachers than preachers, you know. Because when you're preaching, you're usually preaching on one subject. But teaching, you can't just teach on one subject. You really can't. When you're teaching on faith, you've got to teach on grace. Because you're putting your faith, you're building your faith in God's grace. So when you're teaching on finances, you've got to teach on grace. Because your, your provision is based upon His grace, not upon your giving. Ah, yeah. So healing. When you're teaching on healing, you've got to teach upon you got to teach it in context with grace because grace has made available your healing. Not your works, not your good works, not, oh, I'm a missionary, I need to get this healing. No, then you're getting into works. No, you, your healing has already been provided for at the cross and back in the garden. Yeah, so that's the way you've got to teach it. That's the way I teach it. That's why I can't teach uh, on a certain subject in, in five, ten minutes. Sometimes I do. But uh, I, can, I can take this teaching today and I can unpack it in three, four, five videos. Alright? And I will one day when I've got the bigger crew uh, and different things like that. More time. So, anyhow, thank you so much for your time. And uh, thank you for the new listenership on Podbean. And I used to call it Podbeam. But it's Podbean, our podcasting. And so, thank you for all of that. And as I finish my teachings all the time, my videos... I encourage you to walk in the fullness of your sonship by learning to walk in the fullness of the grace of God and of the faith of God. There you go right there. Sonship, faith, grace. Because it's your faith that gives access to the grace of God and your sonship is based upon His grace. Shalom and Amen.